speaking with composer uh, Justin Hurwitz, whose work with director Damien Chazelle has quickly made him one of the most notable talents in the industry. Justin has demonstrated early in his career uh, with his amazing storytelling abilities, uh, seen scores like Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench, Whiplash, and now La La Land. Justin, thanks so much for speaking today. It's so great to chat with you. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, so let's start off with the beginning. I'd love to know, I'm curious uh, kind of how you fell in love with music. Uh, when did film and film music kind of come into the picture and when did you decide that okay I'm going to go on this path to becoming a composer well I was taking piano lessons growing up um I think like a lot of kids just doing the normal lessons kind of standard repertoire like you know in a class on a classical path um sonatinas to sonatas to concertos that sort of thing um some Bach um (laughs) and uh, started composing when I was 10. Uh, my parents got me, I think it was for my 10th birthday, uh, a synthesizer and a sequencer, like this, <laughs> this old, um, brother sequencer. It took like a floppy disc and you could, you would basically layer tracks. Um, I guess that's, that's what sequencers do. Um, but <laughs> right. you, you could layer like, I don't know, like 12 tracks or something. Um, so I would, I would like, I would lay lay stuff down and build build little compositions and started doing that when I was ten and I don't know I did that for maybe a couple of years and then for some reason I kind of lost interest in composing but I kept piano going and through high school you know kept working working at you know practice you know taking the lessons and practicing really hard and um, I guess it was sort of the end of high school as I was as I was moving towards college thinking about what I really wanted to do long term with my life and I think it was pretty clear that music was the only thing that I should really be doing um, I didn't have a lot of interest in anything else there were certainly no school subjects that interested me um, or that I was particularly good at um, I guess a little bit with math but not not I wasn't like good enough at math or loved it enough to want to really do it but um it was uh yeah it was pretty clear that i that i should i should con- be continuing with music and i think it was also pretty clear that i shouldn't be continuing as like a classical pianist um, <laughs> <laughs> because there are like three people in the world who who actually managed to really do that and uh i mean not really but <laughs> right it's it, also i just didn't love it enough it was a very solitary lifestyle you know like sitting at the piano practicing all the classical music it was just something that like it was i'm so glad i had that background and it got me through high school but it's not something that i wanted to spend my life doing or was good enough to really pursue that for real so um i yeah i started thinking about composing again i hadn't done it in a little while but i just started thinking about it and uh, yeah, film music. I, film music was interesting to me because, like, a lot of a lot of the, I felt like a lot of the best music or a lot of the music that affected me the most that was being composed, you know, nowadays that was being composed, you know, currently at least back then when I was having these thoughts was film music. Um, I remember loving, you know, John Williams scores and. Um, you know, growing up and, um, and, you know, other, other, other musicals like, uh, the Alan Menken, Howard Ashman musicals from the nineties and Wizard of Oz. And, um, I don't know. I was just, I, 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 
I kind of there was a lot of film music that that I really loved, and I started thinking maybe I could do that. So, yeah, around the time I started college, I was, I I I started immediately studying music. I knew I knew I wanted to study composition, theory, orchestration, all of that, and I started thinking, well, maybe film can be the place to put put you know the music I do. Right. And you met Damien in college as well, right? Is that correct? Or yeah, we met the first week of freshman year. Um, we started a band together with a few of our friends, <laughs> and we took it way too seriously for about <laughs> a year. Uh, we tried to become rock stars. Um, didn't work out for for me and Damien, at least. Really weird, weird story. We we quit sophomore year, and then the band went on. The the other guys went on without us, and actually did get a, a record deal <laughs> um senior year of college uh they were still going with the band Amy and i meanwhile were busy making guy and madeline on a park bench and thinking about films the the other guys in the band kept going with the band in senior year they sparked this bidding war between all the major labels wow um kanye west offered them the first deal pharrell offered them a deal at interscope and they were like they were getting flown off every weekend to, to be courted by these moguls and these labels and <laughs> and Damien and I were, were were like did we blow it like was this the chance to make it because when you're in college you have no idea if what you're working on is ever gonna pan out right um, and and our former bandmates were were like you know getting jetted around you know coming back with like thousands of dollars of free clothes like getting these huge record deals thrown at them by these moguls and we were like wow like we we should have stayed in the band um, <laughs> the as it you know the, the movie stuff has has worked out and the and the band stuff um worked out for those guys and those guys are now actually doing really interesting things and one of them has a solo deal and they're they're still actually really good friends with us better friends than they were at that time um what's the band name it was Chester French. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah, they they had a they put out a, a couple of records and they did really well. And now, like I said, they're doing really cool, interesting things and still making music. But um, yeah, it was a really weird time because we, you know, college is such an uncertain time, and it seemed like uh, you know, <laughs> kind of the dream what what we had been trying so hard to happen freshman year when we were in this band finally happened to them senior year. And right. It was, very, it was a very weird time, but um. <laughs> So yeah, Damien and I started making this little um, feature film musical, Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench, and that's kind of what we threw ourselves into for the second half of college. Um, and that's sort of what our relationship revolved around. We were just both kind of really committed to it, and uh, you know, we we spent a number of years making it. Wow, but it's also interesting because you did kind of venture into writing a little bit, right? You worked on the League and and even an episode of Simpsons. Is that right? Yeah, so senior year of college, I I, I joined this uh, humor magazine called The Lampoon, mm-hmm. and it was, yeah, it was like the only extracurricular I had in all of college. <laughs> I would basically just, my college experience was sitting in my room, playing my keyboard, um, I had a Fender Rhodes in my room, um, <laughs> playing <laughs> Playing piano, composing, reading scores, orchestrating, just doing doing things like for myself, sort of for my music classes, but mostly for myself. Right. With music, and I remember freshman year, 
my freshman year, year roommate who was I I as lost touch with this as soon as I possibly could. We were, we were not meant to continue being roommates, but right. he did he did say to me he was like you need to get involved in something like you need to find something to do and I was like I don't really want to do anything I just want to kind of do music and he's like okay well like find something to do with music and I didn't really find anything until you know Damien I started making this movie and uh, senior year like that sort of advice finally sort of came back to me I was like you know what I should do one kind of real like activity before I leave college so I joined this I joined this comedy magazine and and had a had a really good time doing it and learned learned how to write comedy um to some extent and that led to some jobs out here in LA which which was has been kind of a funny thing cuz it's you know I went to school for music I I pretty quickly decided this is what I'm going to I'm going to do film music like film music is what I want to do started working on Damien's movies um but like around the time I was leaving college, like towards the end of college, and certainly once I got out of college, I started realizing it's going to be a while before Damien's like making real movies. Um, right. And, and actually, this is it's going to be a while before this is a viable career. Um, and I had met some other filmmakers from school, and I'm not that many because I'm not that social and I don't really go out, but. Um, I, you know, the couple people I'd met, I, I don't know, it didn't really see, we didn't really seem to click creatively. So I didn't really have other people to work with. Right. Um, and I wasn't, I got to LA and I was not, I don't like, I don't party. I was not like going out and meeting a lot of people and finding a lot of opportunities. So I was like, well, what can I do, you know, for the next year or two until Damien and I were still, we were finishing up Guy and Madeline, but none of us were getting paid to do it so like what can I do to pay my bills what can I do to just with some of my time until you know Damien is making the you know real movies that are like actually uh, employing me yeah um so I started yeah I started like selling uh jokes and ideas to shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm and The League um and then that led to like actually writing scripts for the league and getting to write a freelance episode for the Simpsons and that that was so much fun and like a great thing to do uh with my first few years in LA and I'm I'm very grateful that um you know that some of the the people who who pr- produced those shows were you know open to my ideas and uh I I realize it's kind of crazy that like you know, I've that I do film music and that I still had the opportunity to do that. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The one 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 field that doesn't pay, you actually managed to get paid in another field that doesn't really pay. You know. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like I don't want to sound like ungrateful to like right. <laughs> how the writing thing turned out because it's like I did have to I did have to work really hard at it. And oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I was when I was pitching ideas to shows, I, I was I kind of made it a full time job you know i didn't i didn't treat it as like oh i'll just like send in a few ideas here and there is like i was like okay this is how i'm gonna make my money this year so <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna make it my job to think of think of jokes to send in for the for the league or whatever um so it was it was a really nice way to use like a, it was also a really nice way to use a different side of my brain while i was still because we were always working on guy and madeline right and that kind of never stopped until 2010, until we got in, put into the festivals, 2009 and 2010. And then that, there was a little break between that and 
La La Land, which we actually developed before Whiplash. Um, but uh, it was it, whenever I was doing, you know, I was spending a lot of time doing music still with Damien, and it was just cool to use a different side of my brain and be like, all right, for like six hours today, I'm just going to turn the music off and I'm going to think of like, you know, dirty jokes to pitch. <laughs> So what's harder, writing score or writing dialogue? Uh, I mean, they're hard in different ways. For me, dialogue, just because I'm not like I'm not it's I'm not suited for it. Like it's not my, what my real ability is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Particularly dialogue, actually. Right. It's, funny that, it's funny that you mentioned dialogue because the shows that I've sort of gravitated towards are shows like. The league and Curb Your Enthusiasm that don't really have written dialogue. Yeah, it's more improv, right? It's, it's improv, and the job you do when you're pitching to them is you're coming up with like situational stuff. You're coming up ah, with yeah. story. You're coming up with story basically and story ideas. And those are those are the shows that I kind of excelled at because I'm particularly not good at dialogue and with some you know with language in some ways. So. Um, but I could come up with like you know story ideas. So um, yeah, dialogue is very hard for me. I, I think just like the writing stuff in general. You know, I worked hard at it when I was at the Lampoon. I learned some rules of you know comedy writing. I like I, it's not like I haven't worked hard at it, but it doesn't come as natural naturally to me as music. Um, I I feel like music is really in a lot of ways my native language. Um, you know, it sounds like. Um, that sounds like pretentious or whatever, right. but <laughs> it's I, my native language. But no, but it's true. I mean, and you can see just, I mean, yeah. just from the from seeing your work and everything, it's definitely you guys. You have a talent, and it, the way you connect, I think it, uh, the way you work with Damien, I think, is a big part of it as well. I mean, you guys are fantastic together. Thank you. Um, so, talk. I want to talk a little bit about uh, La La Land. But so you worked, you, know, you 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 talked. I mean, you worked on Guy and Madeline, and that was your kind of first feature with Damien. And so, what did you learn from that? that you kind of rolled over into La Land? Did you kind of learn some lessons? Did you, like, make mistakes there and kind of realize, like, okay, this is something that we can build off of? Yeah, I made uh, so many mistakes. Um, continued to make mistakes uh, on, you know, everything I've done, <laughs> including La La Land. But, um, yeah, I mean, so many mistakes on Guy and Madeline just because it was the first thing that either of us did. It's the first movie I scored, period, we because we sort of very ambitiously jumped into making a feature film sophomore year. We you know, I didn't I I didn't do a short. He had done some shorts I guess before then. Right. But this was my first film scoring thing, and it took us it took us years because we were kind of putting it together very slowly. Um, but it was still you know it's still a feature film nevertheless, and and um, yeah, just lots of um, I mean I think. Some things we kind of locked in and and haven't changed at all, like our like our like our process and workflow and the way I sit at the piano working on melodies forever mm. before I ever get to arranging anything or orchestrating anything. So like some of our like we 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 kind of we kind of figured out a system in some ways that works for us, um, but I mean like orchestrating for starters, I made so many mistakes. It was the first. It was the first thing I ever orchestrated that was ever played, um, Guy and Madeline on a park bench. Uh, I, yeah. I, I'd been, I'd been doing some independent studies in orchestration. There was one class at our at at school, or like a proper orchestration class where you could orchestrate, and then 
the school orchestra would play it. And for some reason, I didn't do that class. I think it like it conflicted with my schedule somehow, so I didn't do it. I really should have done it because that seems like the best opportunity to keep writing things <laughs> played and seeing what works and, you know, that hands-on experience. Instead, I did like independent studies where I would just – I would just orchestrate on the page. It was all longhand. We weren't allowed to use any software in college. So I'd I'd orchestrate, you know, these pretty wide things on the page. And I would come in and sit with the professor and he'd be like, uh, you know, he'd just be like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. This is not (laughs) inventive enough. This is not colorful enough. Why don't you be more of a painter? Why don't you be more of this? Why don't you be more of that? And like they they were pretty hard on me. I had two different – I did two two different independent studies, two different semesters. And But I learned a lot from those. And I think the biggest thing for me was also just reading through scores, like reading through Ravel and Rimsky-Korsakov and, and Stravinsky and, um, and Leonard Bernstein's West Side Story score and, and right. just anything, a uh, few other film ones as well I, I managed to get from the school library. Um, they, have, they had like a really great music library at school. So like I was able to read through a lot of scores and like soak in a lot of textures and how do they look on the page. And, and then I would sit down at the piano and I would sort of figure out the voicings. Oh, so that's what the horns are doing. Um, oh, that's how they're using the bassoon. That's interesting. Um, so yeah, reading scores and then doing it on the page were really how I started learning. But again, Guy and Madeline on a park bench was the first time that I orchestrated. And it was, that was a, That was a wide score, too. That was like an 85-piece orchestra. So I orchestrated for an 85-piece orchestra, having never heard my orchestrations ever get played, and then went to Bratislava and had four hours with the Bratislava Symphony to record all the songs and score. Wow. So like two two takes, occasionally three takes of everything. First take is sight reading. Second take, sometimes you just have to keep it and move on. And yeah, it was the first time I'd heard anything played, two takes of everything. I mean, it was like a mess, in <laughs> but but it was a it was a great experience, and it was one of the greatest greatest experiences of my life to hear all this music that I had been hearing in my head. And by that point, I'd been I started using Finale, so I was you know I'd been hearing like those really like tinny midi you know <laughs> playbacks from right. finale and using that to somewhat judge like is this going to work and but then hearing an 85 piece orchestra play it for the first time was so incredible and and a really great experience that being said getting back to your original question mistakes so many mistakes so many like <laughs> like some range problems, not too many, because I'd been like studying, I'd been reading the textbooks, and sort of, I sort of knew what the instrument's ranges are, but lots of like just practical mistakes. Like, yes, a an oboe technically can hit that note, but you shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't do that. Or like <laughs> breathing problems. Like, I just things I didn't, I hadn't been like, oh yeah, that's going to be impossible to breathe, or that like. Um, wow, yeah. I mean, that score was really like a crash course for me. And, um, you know, I obviously continue to learn things, um, learned a lot of stuff on Whiplash, getting the music recorded, learned a lot of stuff on La Land, but I've, I've gotten a lot more, a lot more professional and, um, uh, better at what I do since, since Guy and Madeline. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, in the La Land is, I mean, it's, I, I, I took my wife to go see it and we, I mean, it was just 
fantastic, amazing musical experience, and the, and the sound of it too. I mean, you capture such an amazing sound, the way that the score feels and the tone and everything. It's Thank fantastic. You. Thank um, you. So, so what's the, what was the process of writing the music for La La Land? What, were the songs written during the script writing process when kind of Damien was putting the story together? Or was it, were they written before? Or they written after the non-singing dialogue is written? Like when does the song writing process come, I guess, come up? Well, I started composing immediately as soon as Damien started writing the treatment. Oh, okay. And yeah, uh, actually the first piece of music I composed was the main theme of the movie, which is that instrumental theme we call Mia and Sebastian's theme. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one that he plays at the piano and she kind of walks into his restaurant and falls in love with him and then that keeps coming back in the score. Um, and Damien wanted me starting starting there. The treatment had all these moments in it. You know, so many of the moments that are now in the movie. There's going to be a song on the freeway. There's going to be a um, gravity-free dance in the planetarium. There's going to be a a song with the roommates. There's going to be, you know, all the right, all the, the 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 fantasy, the huge sort of fantasy sequence at the end. It was all it was all in the treatment and then in the script. Um, and some of those moments were songs. Some of those moments were like big pieces of score that he put in the script because they were, you know, they were important. Um, but he wanted me starting with the main theme. Um, so I started there, and. Um, and then that took a very long time to find, you know, like all of the melodies in the movie. I, I spent a very, very long time with the piano and many, many, many piano demos before I crack it. And then, and then from there, we just started moving on to other, other themes and melodies. And we, 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 we thought of it sometimes as, you know, sometimes as themes that we knew we were going to use both as song and use elsewhere, like, um, like in the fantasy sequence, sometimes there, sometimes, sometimes I was coming up with just you know kind of score material that we knew we were going to use. Sometimes it was melodies that we we would use as both. Right. But it was we it was all like melody first. We thought of it as melody first. Let's find some hopefully unforgettable melodies, and then we'll structure them into songs. Like, let's just think of it as, yeah, da- melody is so important to me and Damien, and and the idea of like people humming something as they leave the theater. Um, obviously the main theme, the me and Sebastian's theme that I worked on first was a big part of what we wanted people to remember, but we wanted people to, to hum or whistle like other things, you know, the melody that became city of stars, the melody that became, um, uh, you know, like the, the part of, part of that roommate song. That was, that was a very important melody. And I, and, and I cracked it kind of as its own thing before we put it in the song um, because we knew we were going to use it in other places as well. And it was just something we wanted to use as kind of a motif in the movie. So um, yeah, it's just, we, I started, I started working on these, on these themes. And once we found once Damien and I felt like, okay, wow, now that's a great melody. Then we started talking about now, how do we structure that one into a song for, so for city of stars, for example, I had, um, I had a piano demo, um, of the melody and then we start talking about okay like is this a verse is this a chorus how does it develop um so like here i'm actually at my piano is oh, you know sweet. so you know we had that and then we're like okay where does that go and should there be then we start talking about should there be like for the song version should there be like a bridge section um, should there be a chorus section? You know, I started working on more ideas, more ideas until I, you know, figured out that, you know, 
thing. So like, you know, it was basically taking the the initial idea and then talking about where does it go, like what what should the song have structurally, and then once we decided what the song should have structurally, then continuing to compose and find that material. So um so yeah, that was a that was a process between me and Damien. More piano demos, many, many more piano demos. And then once once we felt like the song was was kind of structured and locked in musically, um, then we'd hand it off to our lyricists, Benj Pasek and Justin Paul, right. who would write all the words. And they came on board in 2014, in the summer of 2014. And uh, City of Stars was the first lyric they wrote. And then after that, yeah, just started handing them more demos, and they would write all the all the all the lyrics. And um, you know, the lyrics would sometimes go through many drafts depending on the song. Um, but by the time they were writing lyrics, the music was 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 set. Um, so they were yeah, and it was always so impressive, like really kind of amazing what they're able to do with these melodies, which have kind of finite opportunity, finite possibilities at that point, because you only have so many syllables to work with. Right. Um, yeah. And you have a certain shape to work with. And they're also so, I learned so much from them, Damien, too, about how words sing over melodies. Because they had all these, you know, they'd say, oh, well, the melody goes high there. So we wanted to use this kind of vowel or syllable, whatever. I mean, they have, they, they've been putting words to music for so long. Normally, and I should add, normally, they when they're doing their own shows, they do a lot of Broadway stuff, and they're starting to do some movies now. Normally, for their own shows, they do music and lyrics. Here, it was just lyrics. Right. They, they've been putting words with music together for so long that they have such a great sense of, you know, it's not just the storytelling and all that that they do. They just know what sings well over what kind of notes and melodies. So, um, yeah, they, they, they just very quickly knew you know and i said like i said lots of the lyrics took many many drafts but they had such a good sense of like what words would sound good over these over which parts of the melody and then how do you how do you tell the story how do you put yourself in the head of the character how do you do what that song needs to do narratively and emotionally um so and they were doing that all within the confines of these melodies which is really really amazing and it's i mean that's yeah i mean like just fascinating that's a whole different world and the yeah. way it, it kind of syncs together is is amazing so mm-hmm. when you when you started was there any discussion about tone um i mean the film is um, it takes place in you know in today it's a modern setting um a lot of musicals have this kind of stigma it's like oh yeah it's the 50s and the 60s and that's when the jazz was you know blah 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 you know but kind of bringing that you know and, and hiring two amazing actors who kind of appeal to kind of a millennial audience was there a, kind of trying to find a balance of making it feel modern, but also kind of touching back to that kind of nostalgic feel? I mean, you guys open up with these awesome kind of uh, logos and, and kind of, what was it, CinemaScope? And, but but it, it, it felt very of this time, too. Yeah, I'm glad, because that was the goal. It was to make something that has, um, you know, its inspirations in the past. And I think those inspirations are, you know, pretty clear, like between... The French, you know, those French musicals, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, the Young right. Rochefort, and the, you know, the MGM musicals, like Singing in the Rain, and Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers stuff, uh, like, definitely inspired by those, has a foot in that door to some extent, but that doesn't sound like any of those, and that, most importantly, doesn't sound old-fashioned. Mm, uh, yeah. We didn't want to, yeah, we didn't want to make a movie that looks or sounds or feels like it actually could have been made in the 30s or the 40s or the 50s or the 60s. Um, 
So, yeah, I th- it, like on my end, I, I think it just came down to at the at the beginning composing melodies that didn't sound period that just sounded like me just that just sounded like what I do and what I felt was um you know honest for this story and a lot I mean it's just about the emotion really when I'm composing a melody it's like what what is this what is this theme supposed to be about what is this theme supposed to feel like um you know, with the melody that became City of Stars, Damien and I called it, you know, kind of the yearning, the 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 yearning theme for a little while. Um, so we we talk about we we talk about words like that, like emotional sort of emotional uh, clues to like what what they should be, and that's a lot of what I'm going off of. So I'm not thinking like, you know, when I'm sitting at the piano, I'm not thinking like, does this sound like a Fred Astaire melody? I'm thinking about right, right. what does the movie need, what does this scene need. What does the story need? Um, and going from there, and then the orchestration is a big part of it too, because that's where so much of the flavor and and I feel like that's where it could have um, it could have tipped more towards the past in the arrangements. And I would say a lovely night is the only one where I was kind of willfully trying to sound more old fashioned. Ah. Uh. <laughs> You know, I was I was kind of that was more of like a wink to to Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, and there's still like it's it it gets kind of eccentric, especially in the dance section. So it's not like totally classic sounding, but the most the most kind of like classic pastiche sounding I would say in the movie, um, in terms of how I orchestrated that song. Everything else, I was I was really just trying to. Like, okay, so for, like, the first two numbers for Another Day of Sun and Someone in the Crowd, I was just trying to, like, have, be fun and have fun with it and, and um, you know, pack in textures and counter melodies and things that, that I don't know, that sounded fun to me and that, you know, I wasn't, yeah, like, like I said, I wasn't, I, there were big band elements, but I wasn't using them very, very traditionally. I was right. kind of using them, using them just to kind of like, um, I don't know, to color stuff and punctuate stuff, and and there, I don't know, a lot of the voicings, a lot of the the textures and counter melodies that I was using those traditional elements like a big band for in Another Day of Sun, um, or using the strings for, yeah, almost kind of like pop textures. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. That, like I was thinking when I was doing Another Day of Sun, I was I, I was almost thinking like orchestral pop um, more than I was thinking, um, you know, classic musical. Um, well, it made sense for the scene too because they're everyone's sitting kind of in their cars, and it's kind of you know you imagine what you'd be sitting stuck in traffic on the one ten, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what you'd be listening to on the radio and kind of evolve that into yeah. that scene. That was really awesome. Totally. <laughs> And then something like Audition, The Fools Who Dream, you know, Emma's big number at the end, that I think compositionally, orchestrationally, that's like really one of my favorite things in the movie because I felt like I I had no real models in mind when I was composing it. I wasn't thinking about any like, you know, oh, this this should sound like this. Kind of same for City of, the, City of Stars, you know, the melody that became City of Stars, to be honest. But particularly for Audition, like I, I didn't really have any periods or models in mind and and also when I was orchestrating it like I felt like that one in particular audition like I was really orchestrating it just thinking about the emotion and the shape of the scene right and you know Damien had written in the script what the shape of the scene was and you know we had started talking to 
to Emma at that point about, you know, how she was going to perform and she was going to perform it live on set, by the way. Wow. Um, and it was performed live on set. And, um, yeah, just thinking about like the emotional contour of that scene and that's where that orchestration came from. So like, I think if you're, if you're coming from that place, your work, you know, will hopefully sound like it belongs just to this movie and, um, I don't know, hopefully timeless in some way, just because, you know, if you're composing for emotion, emotions are timeless. Like people have felt, you know, some of these things forever and they do today and they did a hundred years ago. So, um, if you're composing for human emotion, then it's like, it shouldn't sound like thirties or fifties. It should just sound like, it should just sound like, uh, you know, emotional scoring really. Right. Um, and that's, and that's certainly true with the, the underscore as well. Like, you know, one of my favorite parts of the process was actually scoring the movie in, in post-production and, and I was just, that was a very, very long process for me because we didn't have temp music. So I was, I was scoring for about eight months while they were cutting the movie. Wow. And, um, yeah, I was just getting everyday scenes from them. I, I had an office next to the editing room and I was there full time whenever they were there. And they were just giving me scenes and I was just looking at like what the actors were doing and what the colors were on screen and what the camera was doing and... And I think it helped me too because, you know, such like, you know, rich performances from the actors, but also like aesthetically it was, Damien had already made this movie so much of its own thing. Like the colors, the production design from David Wasco, the cinematography from Lena Sandgren, like what was on screen was already kind of its own, you know, uh, like concoction that, that, you know, when you're scoring it like your job is looking at the picture and seeing like what's going on and what it feels like and it was already such an interesting you know combination of colors and tones and that I think that made it easier for me to to come up with something that hopefully sounded like it you know like its own thing and like it belonged to this movie because it was aesthetically so unique already and and you guys succeeded. I mean, from the the long takes and the just the acting and the score and the music. I mean, it was uh, really a unique experience. And it's I mean, it's one of my favorites of the year. I mean, I'm gonna remember this for a long, long time. <laughs> Thank you. Um. So uh, to wrap up everything, uh, you know, we've talked about your music and and everything you do in your work. But what do you like to do on your free time? Not with music do you do you, I mean what do you do to refresh creatively what's kind of like the Justin Hurwitz thing to do you go traveling do you hike do you I mean what do you what do you do outside of music uh I don't travel or hike as much as I maybe should um <laughs> that has been a problem in relationships people saying you need to do things like that <laughs> um I uh I go to a lot of movies um I live like a block from the arc light, so I perfect. I'm I, there all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I go to so many movies. Um, not this past year because I've been I was working so hard. Unfortunately, it was a weird year for me. But um, I'm trying to catch up now during the holidays, trying to see all the movies. I I actually like most years during the holidays. I see movies two or three times at the arc light. Mm-hmm. Like, movies that really speak to me, I go see a third time in the movie theater. Um, I um. I don't know. I play piano sometimes just by myself. I um, I try to listen to stuff like on Spotify, just like follow other people's 
playlists or listen to like the viral charts. I don't know, just like try to find new stuff. Right, right. Um, I I go to during the summer. I go to I go to Wisconsin. Um, it's where my parents live, and uh, I find it if I have the time. I find it relaxing and. Um, I've ne- I, like that. I would say the past five years, I haven't been able to go there without having work to do. So um, they have a piano, and I, I do. You know, I sit at the piano for a lot, doing what I have to do, and then I go like they live. You know, Wisconsin has a lot of lakes, so like I, I'll go like kayaking or something in in the afternoon for like an hour, and then get back to the piano. But I really like uh, I really like that sort of balance being able to get work done there but also get some fresh air for yeah that sounds art. so yeah it sounds amazing it sounds relaxing <laughs> yeah so i try to get there during the summer when i can even if i'm working um i don't know <laughs> all right so so to finish up uh, it's a hard might be a hard question but besides la la land what is your favorite musical favorite musical uh i'd have to say the umbrellas of Cherbourg. Oh, perfect. Awesome. <laughs> well, Justin, I want to thank you so much for your time and uh, I mean, discussing all your work in La La Land is uh, such a pleasure. And uh, uh, I know you, you don't do it for the recognition and the acclaim, but uh, you know it's it's well deserved and and best of luck in the upcoming award season and and for all the future work you, know, you do. I can't wait to to hear what comes next. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, it was fun fun talking to you. 